It's Enrico Palazzo! to the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast, episode number four, featuring Michael Gauthier and Christopher Deary. Here's Chris. Welcome, everyone, to episode number four of the Palazzo Podcast. We are a fantasy baseball podcast out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. We thank you all for checking in and giving us a listen. If you like what you hear, please give us a follow, share, or send us an email you can find us at Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Palazzo Podcast. That's two L's, two Z's. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. So on today's show, we're going to zero in on relief pitching, catchers, and I'm going to ask Mike about some over-unders of 15 players that we either like or dislike in 2020. Sit back, grab your favorite flavored White Claw, and enjoy. As always, my co-host today is my brother from another mother, mother, my Roger Waters, my Wayne Campbell, our social media czar, it's Michael Govier. How are you, Mike? Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm fantastic. Great to be here. Yeah, you ready for episode four? Here we go. Yeah, I can feel the heat. So, we've had a lot of action on our social media threads. In the past week, uh, Mike, you want to give us a little update on what's been going on out there in the Twitterverse? Well, uh, over the last week, I've been pretty active, checking out new people and the industry. I guess you know, fantasy baseball people. There's a ton of information out there. It's really kind of overwhelming, but at the same time, that's a good thing. Uh, that means we have the opportunity to get so many different perspectives, and uh, I'm grateful to. Check out some new podcasts, like the Bases Loaded podcast, um, Prospects 365. These guys are real cool. Ray Butler runs 365. He seems like a good guy. Also, uh, Mike Curland, who uh, runs the Bases Loaded podcast, and was also up. Apparently, there's a whole fantasy sports like Writers Association, and there was awards uh, last night or the other night. And Mike was up as a finalist. He didn't win, but another guy I follow who's also cool is named Alex Fast. He writes for Pitchers List, and he won an award. And he knows his stuff when it comes to pitchers, so good job. Wow, award winners here. Yeah, great to be part of it. And uh, lastly, uh, I want to give a shout-out. This guy, guy, Justin Mason, he's the guy who runs Fantasy Friends with Benefits. And he created the uh, great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Ooh. T-G-T. T-G-F-B-I. Yeah, that's it. T. Yeah, that's the one. And um, we've been accepted into it, so... What, what does this mean for us? Well, it means we're going up against industry people. It's all it's for charity. It goes Ooh. to the, he's got two charities lined up. Okay, um, but we're in league number twenty-five. There's twenty-six leagues, I think. Three hundred ninety participants of mostly industry folks and a few people who are into fantasy baseball. So uh, it's very exciting for us. So, Excellent. I hope we don't embarrass ourselves. Well, it's going to be a process. Uh, I got to <laughs> be honest. I didn't even know anything about uh, Kentucky Derby style drafts positioning. Prior to the draft, you put the order of the spots you would best like to have 
It's Interesting. Just, it's weird. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole new thing I'm trying to learn about. But I how do I they decide who gets what picks? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with it. But I just want to give Justin a shout out. I listened to his pod the other day with uh, Mike Curlin and uh, George, who is a uh, Roto Nino on Twitter. He's also following us. Very cool people. And uh, his wife, by the way, is hilarious. Uh, check her out. She's on Twitter as well. These are these are funny people. And uh, his wife is probably the funniest of all these people, and she's made me laugh a few times on Twitter. So thanks to people who have followed us recently. And if you listen to the pod, you know, this is only our fourth episode, so we don't know what's going on. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing, I guess. No, look at this. we got a cardboard box <laughs> surrounding you know, I, was, I was looking into getting rid of that, this this week, but uh, I couldn't get it here in time before the pod, so I, 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 didn't, I didn't press the, the buy button. Uh, nobody cares. So, so anyways, uh, thanks, uh... To Justin Mason for getting us in the TG FBI. That's really exciting. <laughs> TG FBI. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, that'll be interesting how that shakes out. That's that's interesting. Kentucky Derby style. There's a couple of guys I was like, oh, this is like legitimate players who are in the business. So we uh we're not in the toughest league, but it'll be a challenge. And it's also like an overall champion for all the leagues. Well, so. I'm excited to be a part of it. That that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah, me too. All right. So leading off. We had a big trade this week, or did we have a big trade? So, on Tuesday, the Red Sox had tentatively agreed to ship Mookie Betts out of Boston, headed to L.A. For, to the Dodgers. Dodgers are going to give up Verdugo, and they're also going to be giving up Kente Maeda, who would end up be going to the Twins. And then the, the deal with this is the Twins would be giving up Bruzdar Gratterall. Supposedly. Supposedly. Uh, off over to the Red Sox. So Red Sox will be getting Verdugo and Gratterall, Twins getting Kenta Maeda, and the Dodgers getting Mookie Betts. However, it's come mm. out today that there is a holdup on this trade. Uh, the medicals for Bruce Dar, Gratterall, apparently aren't looking so great, so there's a hold on this trade. Thoughts, Mike? I forgot to mention uh, Batflip Crazy is a sweet podcast. Sorry, I went back for a second. Toby, you got good stuff. Uh, I listened to your pod today. Keep up the good work. Anyways, uh... The trade. Bruiser Garadderall has already had shoulder and elbow ailments, right? Yeah, he, he's had uh, arm and shoulder issues. Uh, superstar prospect for the Twins. He's 20 years old. Came up last year uh, at the end of the season. Actually pitched a little bit in the playoffs. Right. Throws 100. He's got a devastating sinker. But mm. arm and shoulder issues at this age? Ugh. But the point is, this is well known. This would not have been a mystery to Chaim Bloom, my fellow Jewish brethren over there running the show for the Red Sox now, former Tampa Bay front office fella. He would know that, right? You would he, you would expect, yeah. And it, he knows it, everything. This guy's on top of everything. So I think what we're seeing right now, and maybe by the time this pod comes out, the trade's finalized. That's possible. But in the moment right now at 9.08 p.m. Eastern time on a Thursday night, I think this is an excuse to get out of the trade because there's been such a strong backlash from Boston about trading one of the best position players in decades and somebody who is really revered, not not just because he brought him a title, but because he's such a good guy and the way he plays the game. I think there could be something else going on here. I don't know that. It's just a gut feeling. 
It, that's that's interesting thought. Yeah, Mookie Betts, we talked about 2018 MVP. Uh, he's in his mid-20s, $27 million owed to him this year. Going to be a free agent in the offseason. I forgot to mention David Price is also involved in this deal, who's owed $32 million a year over the next three years. The Dodgers would also be getting Price. Yeah, Boston fans are not happy about this. Uh, Boots Betts looks like he's a generational-type player. What if that was his name? Mookie Boots. Mookie Boots. Mookie Boots. <laughs> Every time I hear Mookie, I think of Do the Right Thing and Mookie from Do the Right Thing. Well, obviously, you think of Mookie Blaylock. Ooh, and Mookie Blaylock. Number 10. Was he on the Nets and the Hawks? That is correct. Wasn't Pearl Jam Mookie Blaylock? They were Mookie Blaylock before they became the mighty Pearl Jam. That's right. And then they're like, we're not going to do this. Let's be Pearl Jam? Or what was the decision there? Uh, apparently, uh, I don't know if it was Mookie Blaylock was pissed that they were Mookie Blaylock or there was some type of a copyright deal, but uh, it just didn't work out. So they ended up with Pearl Jam. Oh, okay. You remember those Nets jerseys that were like just blank, lame blue with like a... A red line down them. Those were the lamest jerseys ever. Man, oh, yeah. when All the lame, blame, <laughs> lame, boring blue jerseys of the 80s. Pretty bad. So, I mean, so Verdugo would be the guy going to the Red Sox. Alex Verdugo, a guy that we talked about last week on the pod, how the Dodgers, you know, didn't want to trade him at several deadline options in the last couple of years. Guy came up last year, hit 294, 12 home runs, 43 runs, 44 RBIs. He'd be projected to be Boston's center fielder. So he's a good player. Is he a Mookie Betts type player? I I don't see that. He's still young. I believe he's 23. Um, yeah, my initial thoughts of this trade was I was surprised that of, of what they got back. Verdugo was kind of the only guy that got back, and then they, they bring the Twins into this deal to get Gratterall, who... He's a guy who's got really good stuff, but the arm issues are a problem. I think the sneaky part of this trade is the Twins being in there and getting Kenta Maeda. Um, so if this does go through, Twins getting Kenta Maeda is a sneaky. really, really kind of sneaky part of this trade. I mean, they made the Rich Hill and Homer Bailey signings in the offseason. I like Maeda better than both those guys. Maeda proved in the last two years with the Dodgers that he could either start or come out of the bullpen. Guy's got a devastating slider and changeup that he generally throws between those two pitches over 50% of the time. So if this trade does happen to go through, I think the Twins made out well. The Dodgers absolutely made out. And we'll see about the Red Sox. But I still think this trade is going to happen. I still think Betts is going to end up with the Dodgers. But I don't know. Are they going to switch out Gratterall for another guy? It's, it's, it's really interesting with the fact that there's three guys within this trade. There's been some talk about his makeup. What's he got inside the brain there between <laughs> between the ears what's cooking we don't know he had a back injury last year that cut his season short i don't know if this trade happens I, I just don't think there's much to say about it because i i'm really suspect right now but of course i know there's so much on the line so maybe they won't let it fall through but uh alex verdugo is a fun player he also has a really poor launch angle and he hits a lot of ground balls so maybe Maybe his, you know, his line drive style could be more conducive because Fenway Park's a lot bigger than people think it is. I think the right field porch confuses people sometimes. They think it's so short. And, oh, it must be easy to home runs out you got to really, really hook it down the line to hit that 294 pole. Right. So, I don't know. I think this is trash. So you think Betts stays with the Red Sox? Why not? Let's do a wild proclamation. Maybe this trade won't happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think if the Dodgers do end up with bets, I mean, it's unbelievable. You'll have three of the top young guys in the game with uh, Bellinger, 
Um, also with the Dodgers, I mean, Gavin Lux is going to be coming up this year. I mean, they just got some studs in that in that uh, system out there in L.A. So we'll see how that goes. We'll hopefully be talking about this in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. We have an injury. James Paxton had back surgery, projected to be out three to four months. Apparently he had a cyst on his back, lower lumbar. I mean, the medical terms I kept reading on this, I, I don't understand at all. So if you're a doctor, please uh, check in and let us know. I thought he had to have a disc pulled out. That's what it is, a disectomy? Disectomy, yeah. A micro-disectomy. A micro-disectomy. Because there's a, the basic definition of it is there's a disc pushing on a nerve, which is really irritating, so they pull the disc out. Ugh, that sounds awful. Yeah, it does sound awful. Yeah, so the Yankees waited on this. Uh, he got some injections, um, some pain injections in the offseason. They were going to wait on it, see if it could heal on its own through kind of some therapy. It doesn't, and I mean, we're a week out from pitchers and catchers report. Paxton could be out three to four months. Could be longer, who knows, but uh, this this is devastating for the Yankees. I mean, obviously they make the Garrett Cole signing in the offseason. They got Tanaka there. Uh, Jordan Montgomery and J.A. Happ are going to be coming back. I don't see those guys as really good three, four, or five starters. So this is really going to impact the Yankees. Mm. Last year on the deal for Paxton, I believe he's 32 now. I'm not, I'm not sure uh, you know, if he's going to be able to come back from this. Wow. Paxton was somebody I would have targeted quite regularly. Really love his stuff. I thought he was going to make a difference this year, and I thought it might be the career year that it would be going into free agency. I think he, he would be a free agent the year after next and a lot of people said he would sign with Toronto but now this could just be hey I'm gonna make a playoff run with the Yankees because three to four months he could still be back in July right I mean it's February now yes at the latest so Paxton has been on a roster of mine in the keeper league and I've been really thinking about keeping him it was between him and uh, Zach Wheeler and Sonny Gray Uh, these are guys that are all kind of in a similar mix in my opinion but I thought Paxton might separate himself from those three I think Paxton's probably got the best makeup of those guys. You know, what do they call him? The big maples? That where you, he's a, that where he's saying a about big, the maple. big maple. Big lefty. You know, he's got an excellent slider, power fastball. Well, as a friend of ours, Steve Giles, said the other day that nobody wants that syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was pretty good. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, so for the Yankees, I think the injury affects them. It leaves them a little, you know, shorthanded with their starting pitching. Obviously their offense is going to bash and they have an excellent bullpen. I think they're going to be okay, but they need to be able to figure out the starting rotation by midseason as they get towards that playoff push. So we have a couple, a couple signings, nothing too incredible to talk about, but wait, 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 one more thing about Pax. What, what do you got? So yeah, this is going to be his last year. He's got one year left yeah. after 2020. He is a free agent. So the rumors about him going to Toronto next year, if they've, if he has a huge second half and performs legendarily in the playoffs and the Yankees win the World Series or even come close to that, his value will skyrocket. This does not destroy his season at all. This is a guy who has a great pitch mix. He's got a killer curve. Love that Charlie, that Uncle Charlie. What do they call that? The old yellow hammer, right, Jim? Jim Price? <laughs> yellow hammer, Uncle Charlie. Those are great. <laughs> I love those. So I think that... 
I don't think it's as dark. This is a sad day for him, I'm sure. But he obviously knew he had to get this done, and he's like, let's do it now so I can get back for the second half. That makes that makes a ton of sense. I don't think there'll be a reason for him to try to rush back. Yankees should be in good shape by the time he comes back. So, yeah, yeah with him being a free agent and wanting to get a big, you know, kind of end of his career contract, he is 31, 32 years old now. Oh, yeah. He's a guy that you can target if you have reserves or if you have a league where there's a lot of bench spots, if you got – five DL spots, hey, I would draft him. I really would, and I would just stash him because I know eventually this has nothing to do with his arm or his shoulder, elbow, nothing at all. It's just a gross little growth. (laughs) Gross growth. Gross growth. Growthy. Gross growth Paxton. So anyways, Paxton to me, I don't think it's as cloudy as maybe it would appear to be initially. That's my two cents. Yeah, hopefully he can come back from this uh, and be able to get a big contract for the offseason. You can come back from anything, dearie. I love it. Yeah, I tore my ACL once. I'm still I'm still coming back from it, but it feels good. Oh yeah, remember that flag football? It was so long ago. Yeah, you were there. You had to like carry me to the car. <laughs> Man, that was tough. I thought it was. I thought you were like being too. I was being a pussy. <laughs> I'm like, man, this this is not that bad, but it really was. It, it changed your life. Yeah, so we got a couple signings this week. Nothing too big of note. Greg Bird signs with the Rangers. Ooh, mysterious. Off People in- love potential. Off injured guy with the Yankees. Still only 27 years old. People love that potential. He's been injured for the last two years. Rangers, you know, they got Guzman over there at first. Danny Santana can play first a little bit. But, uh, you know, this is kind of a luxury signing. Maybe if uh, Bird can stay healthy, maybe show something uh, in the minors this year and be brought up. Uh, mm. Could be able to be able to be slot- slotted in there at first base. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress is back on the the map. Two years ago, had an incredible year as the as kind of you know the seventh eighth inning guy for the Brewers. Uh, last oh, year yeah. he was just absolute part time closer at times. Yeah, last year he was just absolute trash. His ERA was over five. His K rate was down to seven point three six. Jeremy Jeffress is uh, trash. Left on base percentage was 63.8, which is absolute trash. In 2018, it was at 90 percent. So he signs with the Cubs. Hmm. Is he going to be able to come back and, and, and do anything and be a, a man of value for the Cubs this year? Yeah, what if he supplants Craig Kimbrell, who has not shown a lot of promise? I know he came in halfway through the year and yada, yada, yada. Didn't look very good. But Kimbrell either. was tailing off before he, the yeah. Red Sox let him go. I don't think this is a major signing by any means, but it's something to keep an eye on because Jeffress does have potential. He's shown it before, and he can get back to the basics with the Cubs. Just something to think about. Yeah, you know, new, new cities, 32 years old, so he definitely still has something left in his arm. I, I don't see him coming back to that amazing 2018 status that he had. But, yeah, I mean, it could be some insurance if, if he can pitch well. And you talked about Kimbrell's struggles. I'm really interested uh, to see what Kimbrell does this year for the Cubs. But we'll see if Jeffress has anything left. Kimbrell! We have an Ubaldo sighting, folks. Who? Ubaldo. Remember old Ubaldo Jimenez? Ubaldo? He's not pitched in the majors since 2016. It's like a non-roster invitee thing, right? Yeah. So it's it's not like like he signs. It's just like, hey, why don't you come to camp and see what you can do? I just thought it was interesting that that he was actually still around and uh, still thinking that he can pitch. So he hasn't pitched over 180 innings in five years. How old do you think he is? He's 36 years old. Very good. That's exactly correct. Yeah, so I don't think you're going to see uh, him at all this year. Uh, it's not going to affect anything in fantasy, but I, th- I thought I'd, we'd bring it up. He's 36 years old, and he's just been taking it easy, resting <laughs> the body. This could be a big breakthrough, everybody, right? Get on that Ubaldo train now. Ubaldo, God, he, that, that one amazing first half of the season years ago. 
Yeah, what was he? Fifteen, was that, 15 and one. Now? Fifteen and one, I believe, with the Rockies. <laughs> and then he was he was terrible in the second half. Yeah, and that was pretty much his. He built a contract off that, and he just got lucky. Sometimes you get lucky, and that's why we have these stats to try to weed out the luck, so we can try to find out more concrete information and not get ubaldoed like the Orioles did. Yeah, that that didn't work out there. Uh, last one to talk about here, Yoenis Cespedes. We haven't really heard much about him in the off season. Uh, had some injury problems last year. Uh, he threw out a bunch of videos this week on social media of him uh, hitting balls and running up and down the field, running, hitting. Yoenis, uh, so is he going to come back with the Mets and have a spot in left field? Is he going to start on the DL or the IL, whatever they want to call it now? Is he a trade piece for the Mets? What do you think? Well, after seeing this video, I must say, <laughs> Wow. What a man. He stacked as ever. He hasn't lost any weight. He's turned it all into muscle. He's got the thick shoulders. He's got the thick hammies. He's doing the, the band. He's running against the resistance training. He's doing it all. In the video, it's all in black and white, so it's very intense. And he's sweaty. He's very sweaty. <laughs> and uh, he was even doing, like, leg lift type things and, like, doing plyometrics with his legs. His uh, ankles looked like they were holding up, so... It's really just the matter of his lower half. Yeah. We all know his upper half's killer. God, yeah. The power's there, the bat speed, everything. Will he be a difference maker? It's a crowded spot. J.D. Davis has really come on strong for the Mets. He's a hot, hot number. Even Jeff McDeal is just like him. Both those guys have really made strides, and they're growing. So you bring in this guy who hasn't played in forever. I don't know. I, I think that they will definitely try to trade him if they can. But they're going to have to play him first. No one's just going to trade him. He's going to have to get some run before he gets traded, which means someone's going to lose out on some playing time for a while. Well, I think you could have a good rotation in the outfield, uh, you know, with J.D. Davis in left field. Certainly, Yoannis is not going to be able to be an everyday player, but if he can be a bit player there, give them some power and have a little good run with them, I think he's could be an excellent trade piece for somebody. But there's way too many. You also got Dominic Smith there. They're trying to get rid of him, and that hasn't happened. I think this is a good problem to have if you're the Mets. It's a lot of players. Dominic Smith, Brandon <laughs> Nimmo, J.D. Davis, Conforto, Jake Marisnik's in town now. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jed Lowry's maybe coming back from injury. Um, McNeil could play outfield, too, but he's probably playing third exclusively. It's a mess. I, I, <laughs> I love Cespedes. I always I bet on him a few times, and he screwed me in the last couple of years because he was – was he digging a hole? What, what happened? He was – in, he was <laughs> gardening. He was, I, don't, I don't remember uh, how the how the injury happened. I can't, yeah, I forgot too because it, I do remember it was ludicrous. That's what I do now. So anyway, Cespedes, hey, we're rooting for you, man. Come back strong. All right, excellent. So let's uh, kind of dive into some relief pitching. Ooh. We talked about our second half of starting pitching last week, so we're going to do relief pitchers this week and also catchers. Hmm. So, relief pitching. This is something that uh, can really make or break your fantasy team. Uh, you think so? It really can. Depends. Now, if you play in a league like I do where you have holds, you have K per nine, relief pitching can be really, really strong. That's a very good point. Uh, what I've noticed for myself in the last few years is I've been going after guys even that aren't even in a league where I'm playing with holds. And I've been rostering guys like a Ryan Presley, a Nick Anderson, a Pedro Baez... I mean, are there five-by-five teams, guys that could come in and possibly give you a save, but they could really help your ERA, your Ks, guys that don't really walk a ton. 
that's kind of something that I've moved towards in the last few years, and it's been successful. As we look into kind of our top relief pitching in terms of, you know, Fantasy Pros ADP, there's there's four guys that uh, Fantasy Pros have in the top 100. Hayter, Yates, Chapman, and Roberto Osuna. Out of those four guys, Mike, who, who how do you rank those guys? Well, Josh Hader has the killer stuff. Everybody wants it. Everyone's got to have it. The Yankees tried pretty hard to get it, and they did not get it from the Brewers. Well, I'm glad that happened, too, because the Brewers would be silly to trade. I think it'd be a mistake, a real big mistake. Well, the guy's still young. He's 24 years old. I don't play in any K-9 leagues right now, so it's kind of a bummer for me. In my main keeper league, it's just counting Ks, so relievers okay. are not as important. Yes. But you can also fill a lot of spots with... You know, Sparps, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, eligible combos. Those guys can make a difference. If you can get guys who can get saves, which is also a stat, obviously, who are starting pitcher eligible, that's where the money is. And someone like, speaking of the Mets again, with the log jam, Seth Lugo last year, he tore it up in the second half when Edwin Diaz was having his meltdown. And uh, he did help me win a title because you could put him in the starting position as a starting pitcher. It's like a flex position in fantasy football. It's yeah, true. Finding those guys that have starting pitching and relief pitching eligibility is unbelievable. And I think so many more pitchers within fantasy are getting that because they're guys that are spot starting, they're long relief guys. And like you said, with uh, who'd you just say? Seth Lugo? <laughs> Seth Lugo, yeah. He's a guy that starts. He's a guy that had to come in last year with uh, Diaz's struggles. Uh, so, yeah, that could be a really big advantage. Well, yeah, you know, Lugo had a 347 FIP. I know I'm off track here. You asked me about these other guys, but. I was just thinking about Diaz versus Lugo. Diaz had a bad year, supposedly. It was a bad year for him, especially when you compare it to 2018. It was a total failure. What am I talking about? Of course it was. I knew it because I, I had him. I traded for him. I traded Horley Soler for Edwin Diaz. That was a disaster. I'm lucky I won the title with that stupid trade. So as far as the top... Obviously, Hayter's a stud. There's no doubt about it. Yates is not far off, but I think Yates could be moved. Yates could be a trade piece because Andres Munoz, who's another up-and-coming reliever in the pen, is somebody I really like. Fireballer, nasty stuff, very exciting. That's interesting. So is Yates kind of a mid-season deadline trade piece, depending on where the Padres are? I mean, Yates, Kirby Yates had an amazing season last year. 1.19 ERA, whip was under one. K per nine was just under 15. Right now his ADP is 74. He's projected to have around 40 saves. I mean, if I'm the Padres, he's a guy who's a proven commodity. I, I, I hold on to him. Oh, I mean, there's no argument there. Munoz pitched in 22 games in 2019, and he had almost a 12 K9, uh, 0.7 home runs per nine. Uh, Babbitt was 259, so it wasn't like he was terribly unlucky or lucky kind of in the middle there i mean i guess he caught a little bit of a break there but uh hit, you know strand rate 70 percent gets 40 percent ground balls i like some of these numbers he's somebody who in the minors racked up ridiculous k rates in limited innings so i really like what munoz brings to the table and i do believe that yates will be moved now it doesn't mean you don't target yates because if he gets traded which is way down the road i mean the time from here to the deadline is a lifetime so we don't know what will happen, but by the time July 31st rolls around, Kirby Yates could be somebody who's closing for somebody else, not being just a setup man. But he is in his mid-30s, and I don't know if he's a part of this long-term 
growth of the San Diego Padres. Yeah, I think it'll all have to do on how the Padres are playing by the trade deadline. If they're in the race and Munoz is doing well, Yates is doing well, obviously they're probably keeping both guys. If they're out of the race and they're looking to get some more assets on a, on a team that's already young and kind of on the up and coming here, uh, maybe Yates gets moved. Uh, I doubt that might happen, but we got a lot of baseball to be played. I really like Andres Munoz, though. I really do. I think he's got a nasty slider that is going to... Woo! It's going to make you excited. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. 30% K rate. I'm not telling you. There's something exciting within that man. If you just give him an opportunity. He's got some delicious spin rates on that slider. But, of course, we've all fallen for <laughs> closers in waiting many, many, many times over the years. So who the hell knows? Interesting. Great info there, Mike. Yeah, so a couple other guys that uh, you know I mentioned... Roldis Chapman signs another deal with the Yankees. He's last, consistent. He's consistent. Last year, 37. He's, here, here's what he's going to give you. He's going to give you 35 to 40 saves. He's going to strike out a ton of guys. He's going to have a high walk rate because he is so wild, you know, still throwing as hard as he as he does. His BABIP is still under 300. Um, left on base percentage is right around league average. So he's consistent. Mm-hmm. ERA just above two. Dependable guy. So I, th- I think he's super dependable to go after in your top you know, four or five guys. I think Roberto Osuna uh, with Houston is also very dependable. Caper 9, a little lower, lower for most guys in starting pitching. It was just barely over 10 last year, but he doesn't walk a ton of guys. Houston's still going to be a very solid team. So I think he's, got, he's another top five guy. Uh, one guy I'm looking at that has some really interesting numbers from last year, Mike, is Brad Hand. So Brad Hand last year, 3.31 ERA, 34 saves there with the Indians. His BABIP was 362 last year. That's really, really high. There's no way that will continue to be that high, I believe. Is uh, that bad? He, he, it's, it's pretty bad, especially for, <laughs> especially for a closer. I mean, you look at guys like Osuna and Hayter, it's at 2.32 and 2.35. Uh, so that's really low. So, so Brad Hand, you know... Pretty interesting there. This BABIP was that high. I think the Indians are going to be competitive in the Central this year. He did a good job getting guys, getting out of uh, you know situations where guys are on were on base. ERA a little over three. What are your thoughts on hand? Well, his career BABIP is two eighty eight. Uh, so that obviously three sixty two is an outlier. Although he did have a three thirty a couple years ago with the Marlins. He's somebody that I'm staying away from. He really lost velocity last year, and I remember that in the fantasy season. I did not have him, but I was targeting him for a potential deadline trade, and I recall he was really struggling with the velocity, and it was a real mess. I, I stayed away from it. So I wonder if there's something to that or if he just got fatigued in some fashion or maybe there was something internal going on. But something was off. I don't have proof of what that is, though. Yeah, I'm not super high on Brad Hand. Uh, is he a top 10 closer? Most likely. I I can't put him anywhere near the elite guys. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how he does, uh, you know, in these first few months for the Indians. A couple other guys. So you talked about Edwin Diaz and his just atrocious year last year. You know, 5.59 ERA there with the Mets. Guy still strikes out a ton of guys. 15.36 K per nine. His BABIP was 377. That's just absurd. That's like a wow. That's like a high school like uh, BP pitcher getting bombed. Yeah, he had 100 Ks of 58 innings. That's Is still he going to nice. be able to bounce back this year with the Mets? And what are the options if he doesn't? Yeah, I think uh, maybe it was an adjustment period coming to New York. Bad breaks. He got unlucky. The numbers prove it. You don't need to rehash it. Diaz struggled. 
He bounces back because he's that good, and his stuff is still swing and miss. People chase his stuff. They can't hit it. They can't even hit his fastball time. So this is a guy you want to buy in on. Bounce back time. So another guy I want to talk about, guy had an incredible year a couple years ago. Last year just really had some struggles here uh, with the Dodgers. Still had 33 saves, but Kenley Jansen, a pretty high ERA last year, 3.71. His K per nine, it took a little bit of a drop. Uh, guy's still still walking too many guys. He's, his average ADP is 118. Projected around the sixth, seventh best closer right now. Are you staying away from Jansen, or you think he's going to have a bounce back this year? His home run to fly ball rate has skyrocketed a bit. It's a career 9.8. Uh, 2018, it was 15.9. Last year, it was 13.2. Got a little better. So that's a big concern. If it's a career overall 9.8, that's a big jump. Uh, his peripherals versus his ERA. Actually, last year, it looks like he was right on with what he should have been doing pretty much. He didn't really get – it was actually 2018 where he got very lucky on the good side of it. When he had a 301 ERA, but a 403 FIP and a 356 XFIP. So, Kenley Jansen's getting old. He's losing a little bit of steam. The velocity, maybe not quite what it was, right? I mean, this is somebody who has pitched a ton of innings, a ton of playoff innings as a reliever. And there's just a time and a place where a man says, hey, (laughs) I'm Kenley Jansen, and maybe I just don't have it anymore. Right? Yeah, he's got a lot of miles on that arm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where the Dodgers go if uh, you know he's he's not going to end up being the guy. I mean, the Dodgers are you know, trying to get that elusive World Series title. They've just you know been running through the National League West. We'll see what happens with this bets trade, but you got to lock down your bullpen, especially when it gets to the playoffs. And if if Jansen can't do it anymore, uh, you know Dodgers could be looking for somebody at the deadline. Well, his fastball velocity has dipped in the last two years. That's it's concerning, no doubt about it. I mean, he used to be up 94 on average, and then he's coming down 93, 92, almost borderline 91. So that's that's not just some fluke. So watch out. I would also stay away from Jansen. No thanks. Okay. couple guys outside the top 10 uh, that I'm kind of zeroing in on. Uh, Ken Giles last year, uh, 23 saves, 1.87 ERA with the Blue Jays, over 14 for K per nine. Uh, an excellent left-on-base percentage of 91.3%. He's somebody outside the 10 that I that I like, and I think uh, at a Blue Jays team that's kind of on the up and uh, should have a pretty decent season there, I think Ken Giles is a guy that you could get outside the top 10 that could really be a factor for your team. I love Giles. I'll buy into that all day. I had him on my team last year. He was getting really lucky at times. He was having guys on base. His strand rate got very, very lucky, but he got the job done. And he got saves when it was needed, and he struggled with elbow pain all year long. But he never, besides the one DL stint, he never missed the rest of the season. He came back when the season was totally over in August, and he helped me win a fantasy title. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> You've done it, Ken. <laughs> yeah, that's his life's work. Winning Mike Gobier a fantasy title. Isn't that nice? So you're in on Ken Giles, then. Give it to me. Excellent. All right, a couple other guys, Rysel Iglesias, Will Smith, both those guys around 14, 15, ADPs about 145 uh, for both of them. Uh, what do you think of these two guys? Who do you like better? Oh, I'd rather have Iglesias all day. Okay. Now, Will Smith right now is not slotted in as the closer. They got Melanson still. That's right. With the Braves. I'm not sure what you know Melanson's got left on that arm. Will Smith had a really, really good season last year, but Will Smith's getting a little older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read Jeff Zimmerman uh, on Fangraphs is mining the news 
It's a mining the news little column he does on rotographs. It's great because it collects all these little tidbits from all the teams about odds and ends from every position. And that was one of them was that Melanson is still the starter. And Will Smith seems to understand that for now okay. in terms of being the closer. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Iglesias, what do you like about Rysel? I just think he's a fun player. I can't get enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that Reds bullpen they have over there. Uh, uh, they got some really fun guys. Amir Garrett, Rysel Iglesias, they all got really good stuff. Uh, Reds made a ton of excellent signings in the offseason, so I, th- I think Iglesias could really have a solid season there. Uh, maybe bring that ERA down a little bit if he can get that underneath four. But the guy's got good stuff and uh, doesn't walk a ton of guys, so I, he's, he's a guy that maybe you could be looking out at uh, you know, outside the top ten. A uh, couple other guys that, that I like that are a little further down. Uh, we got Brandon Workman uh, for the for the Red Sox, Pagan for uh, Tampa Bay. Both those guys had really, really nice seasons last year. Uh, Pagan, his left on base percentage last year was 94%. Uh, guy, guy had 20 saves with the Raves. They were, they were kind of uh, shifting guys in and out on who was closing. He had a nice K per nine rate. Uh, and Brandon Workman, uh, thir- over 13 strikeouts per nine for the Red Sox. Uh, he had 16 saves as they had some injuries there in the bullpen. Uh, are there any guys you see kind of outside the top 20, Mike, that, that you might want to talk about? Well, by the way, as far as Rizal Iglesias goes, uh, he had a 32% K percentage last year. That's nice. And his, my concern, though, is that he was among the league leaders, top 5, top 10% in hard hit percentage over the last couple years before 2018 and 19. He slipped. He's not among that anymore. He's, his hard hit percentage has gone from 27 and 26 and 16 and 17 to 31 and 32 and 18 and 19. And that makes me feel like he's become more hittable. His fastballs become more hittable. People have laid off the breaking stuff. So something to think about there with Rizel. But beyond him, who are we talking about now? <laughs> who else do you like uh, kind of lower down? Maybe some deep cuts. Oh, man. Uh, well, to me, it's just a crapshoot of free-for-all trash, man. I mean, I think Nick Anderson in Tampa, he was traded there on the trade deadline last year, and he pitched really well. Killer K-rate, I think he's somebody to target later. I know that they've got uh, Emilio Pagan, but I think Anderson may he may rise to the surface on that. He's got the better stuff, I think. Someone to think about. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I also, boy... One thing to think about with that Mets situation is Batances is in the mix. Dylan Batances is back. So maybe buying in on Diaz that high with the ADP, so kind of kind of a bit much, in my opinion. 117 overall ranking among the experts. I don't know if I would buy that. I might just buy low on a Batances, and especially if it's a K-9 league, get a lot of Ks with Batances and maybe hope that he... Because he's done, done a one-year deal, right? Yes. So he's got to prove himself. Yeah, so it's maybe maybe a handcuff it with Batances that you can take late. I mean, mm. that's, that's the one great thing about fantasy is, like, you, these guys just turn into closers and start picking up saves. And especially if they're guys that go on real nice runs, you know, it could be a guy that, you know, gets in there because of an injury. You're either picking him up or maybe you yeah. drafted him late and held on to him. And a guy like Batances could give you some value in that relief pitching role and maybe pick up a save here or there if Diaz is struggling. And I know we've been over this a thousand times, but Alex Reyes of the Cardinals, the eternal wonder, the mystery, the ancient city of Atlantis that everyone's searching and hoping for, the city of gold. Could it be his time with uh, the closer situation available? I know Giovanni Gallegos is getting a lot of run. 
But if Alex Reyes is healthy and can pitch, and John Moseliak, Moseliak? Moseliak. John Moseliak, general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, has said already that Reyes will be in the bullpen because they've just got too many starters. So something to keep an eye on there. You could pick him up at the end of a draft, probably free agent wire after the draft, depending on your league. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be healthy. They, they've moved Carlos Martinez into the, you know, back into the starting rotation. Uh, yeah, Reyes exactly. He's just been a big prospect for so long. Uh, you know, the time he has come up, he's looked good, but he can't stick. Just that injury bug, but he's still super young. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out there in St. Louis. You know, competitive team. Made the playoffs last year. We'll see if uh, they can, you know, lock down a closer here. All right, so looking at some other guys. Mike, you got anything else you want to talk about here with these uh, relief guys? Any guys uh, that are kind of standing out to you, guys to stay away from? Mm. Last year, there were so many changes. There was two guys getting saves a lot of the times. There were so many situations that just were not clear-cut, whether it was Tampa Bay's or the Mets. The list goes on and on. I mean, you, I just mentioned Nick Anderson and Emilio Pagan. But there's Diego Castillo's in the mix, and he was their closer. So there are too many guys to close now, and managers are just trying to shut down players in leverage situations in earlier innings because they realize the importance of that now. Yeah, and that new rule with the got to face three batters, I don't think that'll change things much. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different situation when it comes to, to closers and save guys now. Uh, I've, I'm in many leagues where guys don't even – don't even draft a, a closer at all. Don't draft any relief pitching. And then maybe make some trades for the, some guys or pick some guys up off the wire. Uh, I've kind of always been that guy that has stayed away. Uh, last year, one of my leagues, I actually took Chapman and Ozuna uh, kind of mid-round you know, mid seven. And I, I think it was seven and nine I took them in. They, they both ended up really, really helping me out in the relief pitching area. But also it was a guy like Nick Anderson and a and a Ryan Presley that I, I, I supplemented those guys with, uh, and Zach Britton as well, which really helped out my squad. So we'll see how it all shakes out in relief pitching. Uh, if you have any questions about relief pitchers, guys you like, guys you don't like, uh, send us an email, palazzopodcast at protonmail.com. And you can hit us up on Twitter, at palazzopodcast, two L's, two Z's. we got 70 followers now. We're very grateful for all of you. Thanks very much. All right, so that'll uh, put relief pitching to bed. Uh, relief pitching's overrated, man. I know. <laughs> I just want to get that out there. I just think it's overrated. Well, I mean, it, I think it depends what league you're in. I, I, mean, well, I want to clarify, all right? I want to say dra- putting in key draft capital for relief pitchers is just a, it's a misnomer. It's a mistake. Don't do it, all right? I'm going to stand strong on that. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a caper nine league, so I, I, I take great value in relief pitching if there's some studs out there. But also... Just like you said, Mike, I will agree in, in, in many aspects of what you said. It, it's such a fluid position, and I don't think relief pitching is going to make or break your fantasy season. Absolutely. I mean, there's guys like Wade Davis who had a crap season last year, <laughs> but the, he, he still got it, and Bud Black believes in him. He can bounce back, and you could get him way at the end of the draft and take a flyer on him, and then if he falls apart, you could pick up his handcuff. It's just easy. Scott Oberg, Wade Davis, the list goes on and on. You can change these guys in and out. Yeah, draft day with relief pitching is not going to make or break your season, like I said. Uh, It's going to be about the moves you make during the season. Every move you make. Ooh, I love that. All right, so is that the police version or version or the P. Diddy? The police, man, come on. Of course. I mean, it sucks if Biggie died. It's terrible, but, <laughs> you know, that was, that was a big year for samples. 
big time 80 samples because yeah. it was the next year when after Tupac died, the changes came out. The Bruce Hornsby, <laughs> I see no changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's absolutely. a good song though. They're fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I don't even know if you call that rap what P Diddy was doing. I mean, it was like it was pretty much just pop music, right? Mm, mm, I'm <laughs> producer. Mm. Although P Diddy is very funny in Get Him to the Greek. I must oh, that's say. right. Yeah, excellent role by him. He did. He made me laugh. And in uh, It's Always Sunny, he's great on that one episode. What is he, the, <laughs> the planter guy? He's some gardener. Oh, I don't weird. remember that episode. You don't remember that one? They, like, is that they more, br- a more recent episode? I haven't watched Always Sunny. No, this was an older one. Like oh, This man. is in between, maybe like 2012-ish. He's okay. like, he runs like I'll a, have to check in on that. a weed, uh, you know, hydroponic thing. Yeah, it's funny. Fun. All right, so we're going to hop into Catchers, Fantasy Catchers. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, Mike. Okay, so catchers. You don't care about catchers either? Well, catchers is Bummerville, isn't it? It's total Bummerville. What would you do? Will you go high, take one of the best catchers, and then it drops off real fast and wait for one of these guys to pop? Or just be like, hey, who cares? I don't have a good catcher, but nobody else does either. I can still win the league. Yeah, I feel like, uh, I mean, just looking at average draft positions here from Fantasy Pros, there's pretty much... I mean, in my eyes, there's 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 five guys. I mean, there's three kind of studs in my mind of Real Muto, uh, Sanchez, and Grandal. I also kind of have Contreras and Mitch Garver uh, within those top five. Who's your number one guy? Is it Real Muto? Well, uh, I must say that... <laughs> okay, I think it was Alex Fast or Batflip Crazy on Twitter. I I'm going to mix this up, but there was a debate about... Friends don't let friends draft JT Real Muto in the fourth round. <laughs> and I was like, oh, why not? <laughs> I mean, the fourth round, if you got to say it's a 12-team league, you know, that's the top 40 pick, potentially. I could see the argument for not doing that. But at the same time, if it's OBP or OPS, Real Muto can provide some real value. But I kind of agree with him. I think he kind of changed my mind. My mind was changed on this. That I would rather just wait for a catcher to maybe pop because the top guys are good. Grandal, Real Muto, Gary Sanchez. These guys are great at times. Sanchez has a unbelievable power and pop. But how long will he be catching? Groin injuries have been a constant problem for him. Yeah, he's not a very good defensive catcher. I think one of the big mysteries of all fantasy this year is the Phillies because the Phillies have so much offensive potential, and they really should have been so much better offensively last year, and they were not because their ballpark is ripe for it. They got tons of fly ball hitters. I'm wondering if Real Muto has only scratched the surface. He might even be better this year. Yeah, he's going to be the only guy that uh, might actually give you a few steals. I think he had nine steals last year. But yeah, 25 home runs, 92 runs, which is fantastic for a catcher. 92 runs. We haven't seen that in decades. 83 ribbies, uh, Z contact, which would be contact in the zone, 86.2%. So that's right around league average. Babbitt of 309. I think he's a real consistent guy. Fourth round, yeah, I don't know. There's going to be other guys that you can plug in there. Um, and do you wait on a catcher? Uh, yeah, in my mind, though, I, th- I think Real Muto's the guy. The guy that I'm really kind of surprised when I l- look at more of his peripherals is Yasmani Grandal. Uh, so he's now with the White Sox. 28 home runs last year, 79 runs, 77 RBIs. Uh, the guy walks a ton, 17% walk rate, which is fantastic. Uh, swinging strike rate, you know, under 10, which is nice. 
OPS of 848. He's a guy that I really like. ADP right now is 95. What? Uh, I think if you get him at 95, I I think that's pretty solid. I think he's a guy that like I really had to look into his numbers to see how good he is and how good he really could be with the White Sox this year. I don't really look at ADP so much. I go after guys I want to plug in for positions. He might be the number one catcher. He really might yeah. be, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. He really has the potential to be that number one catcher. Real Muto's walk rate is not that great. Only 6.9% last year. Wow, uh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. Grand yeah. Dolls is 17, mm. which is unbelievably high. The closest thing to that was, uh, I mean, you had Carson Kelly and Mitch Garver were both over 10, but you don't see catchers, uh, you know, with a 17% walk rate. Is that... You know, and the White Sox lineup is going to be really, really nice this year. So I, I think he could really have a big season there in Chicago. Very nice. Remember when Borat came out and people did that all the time? <laughs> Constantly. God, it was annoying. Yeah, Good so movie, we, though. It was funny. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a, probably a decade. So you could have Real Muto in the fourth round, kind of like uh, our fellas on Twitter were saying. Or you could wait on Grandel. On average right now, he's going around 100. So why wouldn't you want to do that? Wilson Contreras, who could be even better... If he's healthy, he had a foot injury. Wilson Contreras, he was getting his OBP up, and his contact and power rates were creeping and creeping. That's another fun player. Yeah, he had a great uh, 888 OPS last year, and he got it. He got injured. He was on track to just have an amazing season. He was, he was on track for over 30 home runs, 80 RBIs. Uh, you know, and then he gets hurt. He's another guy who wa- walks a, a okay amount, right around 10%. Um, doesn't make a ton of contact on those balls in the zone. It's at 79%. That's way under the league average. But, uh, you know, in a lineup in, in Chicago, I think he's he definitely solidifies himself in the top five. ADP right now is 116. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. I think Contreras is dependable. So he's a guy that you know what you're going to get out of him. Hmm. Yeah, his, his barrel percentage, 11.5%. Uh, 11%? 11 and a half is not bad. Did you look at his swinging strike rate last year? No, I missed that. 15.1. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's real interesting. It's it's such an outlier compared to like all these other stats that are going out there, so That is bizarre. What also is bizarre is that his Woba is 368 last year and his ex Woba was 342. Woba. You'd want your ex Woba to be higher than your Woba based <laughs> on just based on the the more recent stat cast. You know, ex Woba Focuses on launch angle, exit velocity. It's, it has nothing to do with what happens to the ball at the end. It's just about what happens off the bat. When Woba is more about what happens overall, but it gives more weight to certain types of hits, like home runs and extra base hits are given more weight. For those of you that don't know. But Contreras could be, maybe, he could leapfrog to the number one catcher this year. If he's healthy and ready to go, this could be the big year. Something yeah, to think about. I, yeah, I think if uh, if those other three catchers are gone, I mean, I think Contreras is Contreras is the next super dependable guy that you know what you're going to get from him, and yeah, it, uh, he it, could he yeah. could leapfrog those other guys and end up being you know the top catching uh, fantasy guy in baseball this year. His hard hit percentage went up eight percent. That's a real big jump in one year. That's interesting. Mitch Garver, you're not a huge Mitch Garver fan. You think he's oh, going to have God. kind of a uh, a setback this year based on his unbelievable numbers last year. 31 home runs, 70 runs, 67 RBIs. Wow! Walk percentage of 11.4. Real, real nice. 88% Z contacts. Wow! Balls in the zone. 
OPS of 995. That's incredible. Wow. Uh, he was kind of sharing catching duties for, with Jason Castro for a little bit last year. And then, uh, you know, Castro had a little bit of injuries, but they were kind of bing-bonging back and forth. Garver had an incredible season last year. ADP right now is 120, so that puts him as the fifth best catcher. What are your thoughts on Mitch? Actually, you know, looking at the peripherals here and the StatCast data, it looks legit. I don't... It, they're all out of the norm, obviously, Correct. because he hasn't had that much experience, right? This is his first year in the majors. Yeah, he's 30 years old. So why would it all of a sudden happen? That was an incredible lineup with the Twins last year that set the major league record for home runs. He's a guy that actually ended up batting near the top of the lineup for them last year because of his walk rate being so good and getting you know contact on the ball. But they all exploded from like his minor league numbers in 2018 and 17. The, the jumps are huge. I mean, the WOBA and the XWOBA skyrocket. Uh, his hard hit percentage skyrockets 12%. His K rate goes up. His walk percentage goes up. His launch angle goes up. <laughs> obviously, his exit velocity went up. But his barrel percentage was 15.5%. That's really pretty good. I don't know. This is kind of a mystery. I'm, I'm confused. I will admit I'm a little confused right now. And I guess you're not supposed to. You're always supposed to have an opinion one way or the other, right? If you're going to be doing this. I don't. I don't know. I, I think this is a gray area. This isn't black or white. Not black or white, right or wrong. <laughs> I think that's a. Uh, is that clear and present danger or Patriot Games? I can't remember. One that's of those, Harrison. Ford. One of those Tom Clancy. Uh, oh, it's, I think it's a sequel where adaptions. he's. <laughs> How dare you! I'm the president of the United States. How dare you, sir? <laughs> right? Isn't that it? Yeah. yeah let's do a Tom Clancy uh, adaptive uh, movie. Uh, I would do that. Marathon. Hell yeah. Let's do a podcast. Tom sounds, Clancy movies. <laughs> that sounds fun. Okay. So anyways, yeah. I don't know. Garver, eh, this is a mystery. These are mysteries. Yeah. I'm buying in on Mitch Garver based on bye, bye, bye. The, the lineup he's in. And, you know, he solidified himself as being the number one guy there. I, I don't see him putting up the same numbers as last year, but I think they still should be quality enough that you can plug him in every day as your, as your starting catcher and be okay with it. Okay, sir. Okay, a couple other guys I got in my top 10. Guys that I really, really like. Uh, Carson Kelly with the Diamondbacks last year. 18 home runs, 47 runs, 47 RBIs. Real, real nice walk rate as well. Uh, ADP right now is 234. So he's a guy you could really get late. Uh, his BABIP was 245. I think that might take a little uptick this year. He's a young guy, was a, a nice prospect for the Diamondbacks. Came up last year and really showed that he's he's got some good promise. Second guy I want to mention is Christian Vasquez with the Red Sox. Uh, Vasquez has kind of been uh, going back and forth, kind of like uh, sharing duties behind the plate with the Red Sox. Last year he had 23 home runs, 72 RBIs, nice Z contact of 88%, just a tick above the league average. He's going at one or 198 right now for his ADP. So these are two guys that you could get later who I think could be pretty dependable guys. Yeah, give me Carson Kelly all day. He's in the top 8% of the league in walk percentage, and I love that, especially in a catcher. That's exciting. 13.2% last year. Obviously a huge jump because he wasn't playing as much, but last year was the first time he got to play more consistently. So I'd love to see that. Love to see the hard hit rate go from 25 to 40%. That's fantastic. Very exciting. Even And even some of the other numbers before the 25, 29, 27, 404 was definitely a career high. So Carson Kelly, I want some of that. Christian Vasquez is trash. I don't buy it. I'd rather have Mitch Garver than Vasquez any day of the week. Okay, but you're talking. I mean, we got 198 for Vasquez. I think I, I think Kelly at 234. That's insane. I, I think 
Kelly is more around a 150, 160 guy for ADP. Uh, but yeah, you're not buying Vasquez, huh? No, thanks. Okay. Real bad walk rate for Vasquez. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, I don't like we'll see that. what he does. He's, he's a guy that I kind of like, but uh, for myself, I might be going after, you know, the, the Carson Kellys or the Will Smiths of the world. Someone else I want to talk about. Guy who's going to return this year, Salvador Perez. Oh, our old buddy. Old buddy, two years ago, had a real nice season 27 bombs, 80 RBIs. Never walks. Never walks. 3% of the time he walks. It's so bad. Uh, Z contact's great, 90%. So when that ball's in the zone, he's crushing it. Uh, yeah, but he never walks. A lot of swings <laughs> and misses. Yeah, but the guy, yeah, he never walks. I'm out. That, I'm out. I don't want a guy who doesn't walk. It's just not how I do it. That's not how I operate. Depending on the stats that you're playing in your league, but if it's a points league, it'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 27 home runs, is he going to be able to come back and hit that many? Uh, it's, you know, kind of an odd Royals lineup. Uh, you, you know, you talked about it a couple weeks ago, you think the Royals lineup is a little better better than you thought. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably not buying in on Selby either. I, I like him. He's a really good, good player, excellent defensive catcher, has a good bat, but I mean... No patience at the plate. Guy swings at everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm not buying in on Salvi Perez either. Here's something fun. I just want to throw this out there. Here's similar batters. This is from Baseball Savant, the MLB StatCast website. Fantastic website, by the way. All hail Baseball Savant. Similar players to Salvador Perez. Manny Machado, Matt Kemp, 2018, Matt Adams, 2018, 2018 Nick Castellanos, and Anthony Rendon. Interesting. 2018 Rendon, not last year's. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind odd. of a... I mean, Rendon walks more, so that seems odd. Uh, I'd have to look at the numbers on that, but I just don't ever want to have Sal Perez on my team. I know he's not dead. He's far from the end of his career. He's only 29, so there's life left, and maybe he can manufacture more runs. RBIs could be big. If you're looking for ribbies, I think the lineup with Hunter Dozier and Soler and Mondesi and Merrifield, this is undervalued talent, in my opinion. So something to think about. Are there 11 or 12 catchers better than Salvi? Yes. Okay. All right, yeah, Perez right now is at 174. I think he'll probably go right around there because people will see, ooh, Salvador Perez. Ooh! Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on Salvi, too. So, Will Smith. I mentioned Will Smith. Gonna be getting jiggy with, with it. it. That's right. <laughs> so, Will Smith, he's one of, I, I believe, 25 Will Smiths in the major leagues. Uh, so he's going to be manning behind home plate for the Dodgers this year. Uh, he was kind of a big-time prospect for them. Came up last year in limited time at 15 home runs. Right now his ADP is at 159. Had a nice OPS over 900 last year. Swing strike rate is at is at 9, so that's okay. Ooh. Uh, Z contact, okay. Walk, walk percentage at 9.2. So some pretty decent numbers there in limited playing time. Right now he's going... Br- like I said, he's going at 159, probably eighth or ninth uh, catcher on the board. What do you think about Will Smith? I think I'm staying away. A couple of reasons. One, I'm suspect of what he did. His ex-WOBA was kind of a bummer. I thought it'd be a little bit better. It was lower than his WOBA at 323. And also, there's Kiebert Ruiz, who's the catcher in waiting at double A. I know he struggled a bit last year, and he's still very young, so he might not be coming up and taking over for Will Smith. Another thing is Will Smith could be a trade chip. Look at what happened with this Moogie Betts trade. I was surprised he wasn't in it. But Will Smith could be dealt elsewhere when there's more moves to be had. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I loved what he came on and did. 
in the second half last year. I mean, the pop, I think he had the big grand slam. I remember that was a lot of fun. He showed some tremendous power, so there's no argument from me there, but I uh, think he's a bust. I stay away. Okay, yeah, so he, he's proved throughout the minors that he's able to walk really well and also hit home runs. Uh, so when you say bust, I mean, what is, what is a bust? If he can have 25 home runs, 70, 70 RBIs, maybe 60 runs? Well, it's not terrible. It just depends on the value again. Yeah. Where um, you get him in the draft means everything. And if I'm going to take him right now, the uh, what average ADP is 165. Is that what we're seeing that right now? Yeah, it's about 160. I don't. I guess not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Most projections have his average really, really low in the you know high 220s, 230s. So he's he hasn't been a guy who's been able to hit for average. And you know Babip has been you know a little below league league average as well. So. If he walks so well, why did he only have a 337 OBP last year? His average was 250. It's not like he hit 220. You know, that's what I wonder about. You know, that K rate is really bad, too. For all the power he's supposed to have, that just shows me that he's not cranking it like you would expect. I mean, barrel percentage of 10.5% is not bad. It's not great. Exit velocity, 89.5. I don't know. He's generally going to strike out 25% of the time, which is something you don't want to see. Yeah, that, this is, again, I'm kind of confused. With him and Garver, I'm wondering what's going to happen. And I'm trying to read the stats here. Read the tea leaves. I don't know. Now, he plays in a really good lineup with the Dodgers. He'll bat near the end of that order. There should be a decent amount of guys on base when he comes up to the plate. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. He's 24 years old. He talked about Kybert Ruiz, a uh, big-time prospect for the Dodgers. My thoughts are, are maybe... The Dodgers can have a veteran behind the plate, someone who's going to be able to handle this pitching staff. Do you really want a you know guy who's only played in, what, 70, 80 games as your starting catcher on a team that's a World Series contender, especially when you get to the playoffs? Yeah, I, I, I got him inside my top 10. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a buyer for right now, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes as the season progresses. So we've uh, put that to bed with Will Smith. Uh, any other points you got, Mike, uh, as it comes to catchers? I just want to mention uh, Jason Castro is undervalued. He's got some great stats. His peripherals look like fun. Now he's going to be in Los Angeles with the Anaheim Angels. He had a 17.2% barrel percentage, which is tremendous. 364 x but 12% walk rate and a 46% hard hit rate. I like all of that. And if he's in this lineup now, they're going to look better and better. God, I think. that lineup's going to hit a With a healthy Justin Upton and Rendon now. And I think uh, that's someone you may, you could get way down there who may make a tremendous difference to you. I, somebody that you could draft later in 394 is his current average draft position. So yeah, They have him rated as like the 25th best catcher. Hmm. Um, he's a guy, know. I mean, he's 32 years old now. He's a guy that he's proved that he... He's always a, walked. He can be a major league player. Yeah, yeah walk percent, twelve percent last year, and he's done that in his career before. He's had higher, so I, I just think it's someone to keep an eye on. That would be my last point. Okay, yeah, I'd agree on that. All right, so moving on, uh, we have a new segment this week. Uh, it's going to be called "From the Gut." a speed round i am going to give mike 15 players and he's going to give me the over under on a certain statistic or an average draft position for the guy mike are you ready let's do this 
All right, number one, Max Muncy. 250 batting average, over, under. Over. Love it. DJ LeMayhew, over 100 runs. Book it. Cattell Marte, 23 home runs. Book it. Over. Three trade overs. All right, Ozzie Albies, second baseman for the Atlanta Braves. 15 stolen bases for Ozzie. I say under. I think he has more power this year, but stolen bases go down. Agreed. Chris Bryant, is he a top five third baseman? He has an average ADP of 53 right now. Over or under on those? Definitely. Monster year coming. Watch out. Next, guy that I've never really been super high on, Manny Machado out there with the Padres. Will he have over 100 RBIs this year? Nope. Next guy, young guy, Victor Robles, a guy who has super, super speed, but he does not walk a ton, doesn't get on base a ton. Over under 40 walks for Victor Robles. I'm going to say over. (laughs) (laughs) Over the line! He's going to have 41. That's right. Okay, next guy, center fielder for the A's last year. Guy came up last year, really, really liked him. Going to be back near the top of that lineup with the A's. 80 runs from Ramon Laureano. I say no, only because he's injury prone. Otherwise, he's very exciting, and people love him. Okay. Next, the masher, Pete Alonzo, the polar bear. Had over 50 home runs last year. I'm going to set it at 45 this year. Over, under, Mike. Definitely under. He overachieved last year. He's got a lot of pop, but there's some reality coming. And okay. people adjust to players in the second year. <laughs> you dumb bastard. Agreed. Next guy, he's with the Mets. Came, got, came over in a trade last year with the Mets. Marcus Stroman has had some arm problems, some injury issues. Small guy, 28 starts over under. Absolutely taking the over on this one. I saw him grinding on a spring training video. It's not even spring training yet, but he's on Twitter showing videos that he's on the mound and working. He's focused. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Next guy, we talked about him in our relief pitching segment, Kenley Jansen. Will he have a sub 3.5 ERA? No. All too easy. Yeah, I'd book that one, too. Next guy, Madison Bumgarner. Over 10 wins for Bumgarner, now with the Diamondbacks. Definitely. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? Craig Kimbrell, closer for the Cubbies, 32 saves. Under what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. All right, last couple guys. These ones are fun. Uh, hometown prospect Casey Mize, top right-handed pitching prospect in the majors. Will he have over or under 10 starts for the Detroit Tigers this year? Under, only because the Tigers are lame and they never give us anything fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to see Mize and Manning up this year, or maybe even Scooble. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to blow it. Last guy. Says he still wants to pitch. He's 46 years old. Bartolo Colon, will he have one start this year? I'm going to take the over because he will sign for one week and make two starts, and that'll be it. You mean shenanigans? No! Oh. Oh. shenanigans, right? 46 years old. It's like Julio Franco. I think he was 50 when he was still playing. That's awesome. Fun, fun, fun. All right, so that was a new segment. Hope you guys all like that. If you have any uh, questions on over-unders, send us an email here at uh, palazzopodcast at protonmail.com. Two L's, two Z's. All right, so Mike, you want to get into the mailbag? I love mailbags. Let's do it. We have our first email from Dave. Dave 
is someone who enjoys listening to our podcast. Dave, we appreciate your time and your energy, and we'd like to thank you for listening to the show. The show would not exist without your help, Dave. Thank you. So, hey, guys, first time, long time, I have a two-part fantasy question. How much weight do you guys put into ERA versus FIP stats as the season progresses? And do you consider these comparisons when valuing trades? Thanks, guys. Love the podcast. I'll hang up and listen. Dave. <laughs> I like that. Well, Dave, uh, I think FIP gives us... FIP is fielding independent pitching, for those of you who don't know. Some of you do. Uh, I'm more into FIP than I ever was before because I think it gives us a better understanding. And I hardly... I look at the ERA, but then I go immediately to the FIP. And then the XFIP, too, Dave. You didn't bring up XFIP, which goes beyond FIP. So I think you put all three of those together and you analyze. And then you throw in Sierra, which is a fourth one. And all four of those together help me determine whether I like a player or not. Deary, what about you? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, people like us that have been playing fantasy baseball for a very long time and all these advanced metrics have come, come out in the past uh, two, three years. I was looking on Yahoo's Fantasy Baseball this year. Now they have a tab for more advanced stats. They're, they're helpful. I mean, there's no reason to kind of shy away from it. It's going to give you more true factors of, of what a player can be. Uh, these stats are all can all be super, super useful. So don't shy away from it. Look into it. You can get really deeper. And, uh, you know, if you look at stuff like FIP and XFIP, WOBA, a lot of the other funds, fun ones, WRC, which is a weighted runs created. Uh, they're all things that can really help you out. And if you're making a trade, it could be the, the, the X factor that could make you uh, pull off a steal on somebody. Yeah, I totally agree. And the reason I like XFIP too is because it gives you the expected number of homers a pitcher could have surrendered or should have surrendered, okay? That's where FIP doesn't do that. FIP is based on the actual homers allowed. So if a FIP is lower, the XFIP is higher, it leads me to believe that the pitcher got quite lucky. And I think that's important information. So it's a good question, Dave. Thanks. Appreciate you listening. All right. Uh, next question is from, oh, Ricardo Montalban's back, dearie. He's back. Man, this guy loves the show. He's out of control. Dedicated listener. This is a three-parter, so settle in. Oh, God. Number one, <laughs> Matt Shoemaker huh, came out strong in 2019 before tearing his ACL. What are your expectations for him in 2020? Was the 1.53 ERA a one-year aberration or a positive sign of things to come? Yeah, I'm not a buyer on Shoemaker. No? No, Shoemaker's a guy that he's a guy that you you pick up for a spot start when you need a win or, you know, you need to hit your innings limit. Uh yeah, the Shoeman, he's either make or break for you. Yeah, 28 innings last year, uh, once he got over to the Blue Jays, 1.57 ERA. I mean, throughout his career, he's been upwards to four, over four. Most projections have him over four. I don't think he's going to make a full year in the rotation for the Blue Jays. Wow. Uh, I would say that Ricardo, his walk percentage seems to go up higher than it would indicate when he uh, broke out in 2016, when he had a 4.5% walk rate, the rest of the time has been 8.6, 7, and 8.3. And obviously those are smaller sample sizes. But when he pitched the five starts in September last year, it was the end of the season. Minor league players are up. There's a lot of unknowns. It's just not consistent. So, you know, a one and a half ERA with almost a K per nine of nine, 
It looks like fun in five starts, but we need a bigger sample. <laughs> and we also never see him stay healthy. So we'll see. Ricardo, yeah, it's, 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 I say I say, think about it. Yeah, his caper nine has never been very high. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who needs some good defense behind him. And hopefully he can get some ground balls and fly balls. But I'm not buying in on Shoemaker. Oh, but what about that split finger of his? It's so much fun. Good. It's fun. Great. All right, part two from Ricardo says, what is your opinion on Victor Robles? He seems to vary widely in rankings from site to site. <laughs> well, we just mentioned Robles on the over-under of 40 walks. Seems like I, you know, I may have stretched it, but Victor Robles is somebody who still has to come into his own, right, Deary? Well, I mean, a guy had 100, played in 155 games last year, uh, 17 home runs, 86 runs, you know, 28 stolen bases. We talked about his, his, his walk percentage, which is so terrible. Guy also strikes out a ton, but he's only 22 years old, so I think he he can only go up from here. Uh, do you know what his average ADP is right now? Uh, I do, actually. Yeah, Ricardo talked about how it kind of varies from site to site. Well, what I've got is 70 for an average. Okay. So, you know, 12-team league, hmm, six-round-ish on average. Okay. That's got, not bad. I you, mean, yeah, you got to like the steals. I think the steals will be there. The runs are going to be there. I think he'll probably have a similar season to last year. Would you rather have Tommy Pham or Victor Robles? Ooh. I think I'd probably go with Robles, to be honest with you. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, I'm not. I know I, you're not. I like the young, <laughs> fun guy. Well, he is young and fun, and he's got speed to burn, baby. No doubt about it. 745 OPS, though, kind of disappointing in a full season's work. We also know that his hard hit rate is 23%. It's not great. His walk percentage, as Deary said, stinks. K percentage, 22.7. Hmm. Ex-Woba, 292 last year. I don't know. He's 22. I don't. Th- I, th- I think we got to give him another season. Got to give him another look. I'm, okay, he of course he's be, young. Could be a top guy. But it might be another year or two. I think he's going to... Okay. I think he'll make some progress this year and then maybe break out in another year or two. That's how I see it. Got it. Thanks, Ricardo. Last one. A friend of mine that we shall refer to as Greasy Dave from Livingston County thinks that Fernando Tatis Jr. will be the number one player in fantasy by the end of 2020, supplanting Acuna and Trout outright. Do you think that is a realistic possibility? Seems a little aggressive to me. Wow. Um, wow. He's, what, 21 years old now? Wow. 80, 84 games last year, 22 home runs, 61 runs scored, had 16 stolen bases, big-time shortstop, you know, tall tall guy, six foot three. incredible BABIP last year. BABIP was 410 last year. There's no way that's going to happen again. Look more towards a, you know, 320 to 330 on the high end for him. Betted 317. The guy's a stud. He's he, he's uh, there's obviously a reason why he was brought up with the Padres last year. Going to bat in the middle of a pretty solid lineup there. So he's saying he's going to be the number one guy. That's what he's saying. Year, next year, this year, at the end of the season. What's his ADP right now? His ADP is currently at 20. Ooh. And in the NFBC, which is where there's a lot of big money, NFBC.com, National Fantasy Baseball Championship. Uh, he goes 18. So these guys are putting big money, and on average he's going 18. I mean, that's, that's respect. But in CBS, he goes 24 on average. That's a big gap. I wonder if maybe people are buying in a little too early. He, he's very exciting. 
Mm-hmm. The injuries are a concern. I just don't see any way he supplants Acuna this year. I just don't. Yeah. This guy's Babbitt all throughout the minors and last year has always been really solid. I'm looking at, you know, 342, 370 in 88 games in double A and 18. Well, yeah, he hits for average. So no when he doubt. hits it, he, he smokes the ball, but he also strikes out a lot. I mean, 29.6% K rate last year, uh, projected around 26, 27 this year. So, yeah, if he, he brings that down, and if he's murdering the ball every time he hits it, I mean, sure, he's going to be one of your top uh, top shortstops. I, I don't think I'm taking him in the second round. He's probably going to go second or third round. I I think I'm probably staying away from him then. But, you know, third round, he's there. I'm probably grabbing him. Well, year two will be very fascinating because he comes into the league with a 13% barrel percentage, which was top 9% in the league, mm-hmm. and a hard hit percentage of 44%, but then a K percentage of 30%. So, will there be an adjustment by pitchers? Will he make the adjustments? Who makes the adjustment that wins? I find that fascinating. You throw that in the injuries, I, I'm kind of not big on Tatis right now. That's just me. I stand behind what I say, though. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be upset if he's on your roster. <laughs> without a doubt. But, uh, yeah, being a top guy right now, uh, maybe wait a year. Okay, this is the last one. This is from the ghost of Mike Illich. The ghost uh, of Illich. He says... <laughs> Hey, I mean, I don't write these emails. They just come to us, and <laughs> we do them. So uh, what is the proper ranking of these pizza chains in order of fantasy relevance? In case you need to know, the scoring in our league is based on cost, deliciousness, and consistency. Wow. Cost, deliciousness, and consistency. So we have Little Caesars. Trash. Domino's. No comment on that? Uh, yeah, Domino's is okay. Hungry Howie's? I like Hungry Howie's. Used to be better. It got trashier over the last 15 years. Uh, in the 90s, Hungry Howie's was legit. Or- I, I still like Hungry Howie's. Got one right across the street. So, you know, good timing when uh, it's coming to be delivered at my house. Oh. Well, maybe Hungry Howie's was better because I was a kid. I don't know. Well, I think the, the thing with Howie's is uh, those flavored crusts that they have are so fantastic. Papa John's? Oh, God. Racist? Absolute. It's terrible pizza. And it's terrible pizza. Yeah. Those are two reasons. With racism being the number one reason. Uh... Pizza Hut. Ooh, best stuffed crust in town. Oh, that's pretty good. I'll give you that. But besides that, the pizza's not good unless you're going for stuffed crust. Yeah, but Pizza Hut used to have those Pac-Man tabletop games. Those were awesome. Oh, God, yeah. Those are the best. That's all. I, the only reason I wanted to go. You know, there's a Pizza Hut around the corner for me, Mike. We should probably head over there and see if they still got one of those inside. Then there's Jets. Life is short. Eat better pizza. Uh, hmm. Jets has a good solid square pizza if you're looking for that kind of Detroit style. Yeah. I don't know. And then there's Cottage Inn. To me, Cottage Inn is the supreme of all seven of these. Yeah, Cottage Inn is top-notch here in Ann Arbor. I think we have three of them. Uh, no Buddy's Pizza on this list, also a local chain. Yeah, that's a Detroit style. Yeah, I and, love uh, Buddy's. Yeah, we got a Buddy's here. Uh, we got a, There's a new pizza joint down on South U, Mike. If you like New York-style pizza, uh, oh, Joe's God. Pizza from yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. Super expensive, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it very much, though. So so how are how you rating these? Who's number one here? You think Cottage Inn's number I'm one? I'm going Cottage Inn number one, absolutely. Yeah, I'd probably go Cottage Inn one, um, Howie's, then Domino's. Uh, I think Little Caesars and Papa John's are way down bottom of the barrel. I mean, for Little Caesars, I mean, it's going to be cheap as hell if you're just on the road and need to grab a stomachache for a quick second. Well, uh, Pizza Hut's way down the list because their costs are too expensive. Yeah. That's one of, the, it's one of the categories. So anyways, I go Cottage Inn all day. Probably Cottage Inn and Jets are the top two here for me. Yeah, I think there's a consistency issue with Hungry Howie's sometimes. Uh, 
Depending on which Howie's you get it from, it could be really good or it could taste like just greasy trash. Exactly. So we got issues. Cottage Inn, consistent. So I don't have a Domino's near me anymore. So I used to live down from the stadium. Domino's could be there all the time. So, yeah, okay. Cottage Inn, number one. Yay! it up what the show's over yeah it's over mike i gotta go home we just started no 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 oh wait how long we've been going oh you're right it's been an hour and 20 minutes oh yeah okay so yeah we gotta wrap this up thank you for joining us episode number four of the palazzo podcast like i said earlier if you like us uh give us a listen give us a share send us your questions find us on twitter instagram at palazzo podcast also proton mail so at palazzo podcast at protonmail.com. Well, Palazzo Podcast at protonmail. Yeah, it's not at. Yeah. You get it. That's fine. Too many ads. Two L's, two Z's, two guys. L's, two Z's. It's real easy. And thanks to all the followers. We really appreciate it. I'm not, I'm not bullshitting. Genuinely, from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate it because you connect with us. It makes the show more fun. And then we learn from you. And then we get more information. And it only helps the world go round. Start really become pros here. Yeah, well, it takes time. We got to work hard, pay our dues. So I'm Chris Deary. This is my friend Michael Govier. Thanks for joining us again on the Palazzo Podcast. We'll see you next week. We're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.